This episode of the Football Fitness Federation podcast is with the head of Academy Sports Science at QPR, Ross Bennett. Ross gives an insight into how he reached the level he's working at now, including his time at Chelsea. Ross also mentions about some potential opportunities that may be coming up at the club, so keep an eye out for that. Finally, thank you to everyone who has subscribed and shared the podcast so far. Your support is extremely appreciated. Welcome to episode three of the Football Fitness Federation podcast. Today for this episode, we're joined by Ross Bennett, and Ross is the head of Academy Sports Science at QPR. Um, Ross, thanks a lot for taking the time out of your busy schedule for joining us. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm looking forward to getting in some good topics with you, and uh, we've had a brief chat about what we're going to cover, so I hope we've got some content for the guys. Um, just start us off, Ross, on your background and what you, I've, I've mentioned your current role, but what it is you do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, like I said at the moment, um, yeah, so Head of Academy Sports Science at QPR. I've been there for, or been in this role for around just over two years now. Before that, I was at the club doing the under-23s um, as a sports scientist, S&C coach, and then prior to that, the, the youth development phase. So I guess now, kind of as things have evolved, my day-to-day basis is around, I kind of act, give the services and S&C sports science to the under-18 team. We've got an intern in as well. Uh, with those, but then obviously overseeing the services from the 23s, um, this, this YDP, all the way down to kind of the, the foundation, although the, the services obviously change a lot as it goes down down the age groups. Um, so, yeah, day-to-day with the 18s, we just, you know, stuff that I'm sure everyone's doing, but we're looking at the monitoring when they're coming in the morning, monitoring their fatigue and doing the jump test every morning with their, with their questionnaires. Same with the 23s as well. They, we all do kind of the similar thing across the two age groups. Um, then obviously you're looking at around pre-activation sessions before we go on the pitch, good planning with the coaches, planning around the session, uh, planning the session for the, each individual. So for certain individuals that need certain physical outcomes within that certain kind of session, depending on where we are in the week, we'd sit down and have a good meeting around that. Um, obviously assisting with warm-ups on the pitch, with extra fitness work if needed, assisting the coach, um, um, looking at the GPS live out on the pitch and seeing whether it fits in with our recommended kind of training load um, for that day. And then, you know, just training load analysis afterwards, looking at gym sessions in the afternoon, maybe a double session if it fits in with the uh, in with the schedule. Um, and, and yeah, and that's kind of the day-to-day with the 18s. Obviously, outside that, then I have to kind of oversee all the other services that are going on and the managerial stuff that comes with that, which takes up um, a lot of time. But, yeah, I'm kind of currently based with the 18s as, as the decision was made just so that I was on the same site as the whole academy, which makes things easier to, to kind of gear things from a whole academy standpoint. And our under-23s are, are on a separate site. So that's kind of day-to-day. I'm sure we can get into the topics in a bit more detail Um as we go through, but that's kind of the, the day in the life, really, in, in a short, short form. Yeah. Um, what about before that, Ross? What was your background before um, going to QPR? Yeah, so before QPR, so prior to QPR, I was actually in Qatar. I worked with um, at the Aspire Academy, which is it's just phenomenal facilities. And, you know, they, I was the S&C coach for the, the 2000s, the under-15s at the time. Um, so they have an S&C coach with every age group, um, down until the foundation phase under 11s and then they have one to cover the three so that's the sort of level of detail they're going in there to really push the uh, 
national teams for the uh, for the World Cup. So I was there for a very short spell, um, kind of more personal circumstances that, that brought me back home. But yeah, so I was there for a, a, a short spell. Prior to that, I was at Chelsea for five years, um, where I started off as an intern during my degree and then just ended up doing part-time work, increasing hours and kind of worked across the kind of the whole range of more or less from foundation at the beginning all the way up to kind of under 16s YDP really uh, dips into a little bit of stuff with the, the PDP but mainly around the youth development phase on their school release program and services to the evenings and part-time stuff so yeah and then just prior to that you know normal stuff within universities helping out with um, endurance athletes went to St Mary's as my undergrad um, working out with a different range of, of athletes and, and teams and then went to Brunel for my master's so just kind of like getting exposure to kind of different different athletes but I was very fortunate to get a job within you know Chelsea early on in my career so kind of geared me into that kind of industry into this industry very early on really so was um, was football where you wanted to end up or like you said about covering different sports was it always the, the idea to get into football yeah I think so I mean I played as a, as a young player I was at Millwall and I was at Brentford um, up until kind of like scholarship time where I kind of uh, I didn't get offered a contract so I kind of went down well went into A levels and, and academic route and kind of switched the focus from there so I've always been I think I was always kind of I knew the sport more than I knew any other sport I've been around it I kind of knew how it worked um, which I think is quite important um, so you know I'm really open and I, I really you know love to work in other sports but I think from early on I was kind of geared in towards football um, although I do currently work at the, the London Gaelic football team as well so yes yeah, so I've got a little bit of a blend of other sport at the minute where you know I head up the sports science and um, stuff from from their point of view which is amateur but it kind of fits in quite nice to uh, to the stuff at QPR but yes, yeah, so I've always kind of gone in towards football, but there's definitely avenues where I kind of see myself working with other sports at some point, I think. Yeah. What would you say, back to the football, what would you say like you, the biggest challenges or I suppose biggest like progressions you've made on the programme in, in uh, recent times are in your current yeah. role? Yeah, I think, do you know what, I think it's really hard because I think when you're at university and, you know, now there's such a good emergence of like S&C degrees and really good sports science degrees. And it kind of, I think it doesn't really matter which pathway you go down, but I think an overall through your bachelor's and maybe your master's kind of the S&C sports science that you cover kind of gives you a real good textbook understanding. But actually going into the real world, as we all know, is completely different. And I think just more year and, you know, the clubs I've been at uh, have been fantastic in terms of not just me trying to implement what I think from that point of view, but also me learning loads off different the sport itself different players different coaches with different experiences um so i think the biggest challenge is taking what you theoretically know and putting it straight into the real world which i've seen numerous times i've seen so many people try and do that kind of directly i think you have to kind of take a step back and say right okay how the biggest challenge is how do we get this sort of principles and physiological programming into the real world which is sometimes difficult um but yeah, I think that's kind of the biggest thing I've learned over the years and trying then to kind of mould my programming around that, I guess. And, and from obviously starting out at such a big club like Chelsea, um, yeah. what would you say like, are the biggest difference on, on that programme? And I don't know how much input you had on it during an internship, but how, what would you say is the biggest difference from, from that club to where you are now? 
I'd say, if I, from a sports science point of view, I would say probably not much. Um, from an SST point of view, sports science, I would say that you know it was fantastic for me to be there in terms of they've got the best players in the world. You know, they've arguably got the, the best recruitment in the world, the best coaches. You know, you, you can toss up with a few of the big clubs in there, but you know, with the, the budgetary kind of um, uh, resources they have, they you're working with the best of the best, in, not just in this country, but players from abroad as well and I think that kind of the football philosophy and how things were set from a cultural point of view is what really drives kind of success uh, in that club you know so I think to be involved in an environment that's so elite so professional um, you pick up so many things that maybe aren't directly related to sports science although I learned loads and loads from sports science SSC point of view you pick so many other lateral things up about creating a good environment about being professional about you know how you have a culture that fits all the way through the club uh, things like that so it was an amazing experience and it really did set me in good stead from a football perspective um, going forward, I think. What was your process, Ross, in actually getting into the, the internship? Because I know, I'm hoping that um, a lot of young coaches coming out of university or even still at university will be listening to this and, and they can take like absolutely valuable advice for someone like you that's been through the internship and work their way into the role that you're in now. What? How, how did you get into that and the opportunity of having that internship and sort of what advice would you give to coaches that are in that position now as well? Opportunity actually come around and the guy that was kind of, um, he worked at Chelsea as well as a part-time, he was kind of leading the process. He was a lecturer at St Mary's, a um, guy called Michael Ayers who I always say I thank him dearly because he, in essence, he set up my career for giving me this opportunity. So yeah, an internship come round, um, I applied um, for it and yeah, went for an interview and very thought, I think my football background in terms of playing, which I know, you know, some, some people say, well, that shouldn't have any impact into it. But I think that kind of was quite appealing for him because I understood the sport and, and, and going into such a big club where their football kind of is so advanced. Um, so yeah, so just ended up kind of going for an interview, getting an internship there. And, you know, I did two, three days a week, two evenings on top of my degree plus, um, weekends for no money um, you know getting some expenses but you know going down and learning and I think you've just got to persevere and I know a lot of people do do it but I think as many as many opportunities you can chuck yourself into for without expecting anything back early in your career will really stand you stead in the long run and I know sometimes it's frustrating because the industry pays very little and you know you see you see some quite comical kind of um, internships and full-time posts for, for little money, you know, and, and, and no money at all. But I do think long-term it does stand you in good stead to just chuck yourself in and just to learn and just try to apply little things that you can, but understand you are early on and you've got so much to learn of people that have been in there day in, day out. I think that's valuable for any coach, isn't it? You're not just going to stumble upon a... a across a, a massive role where you're looking to end up like you do have to sort of earn your way um, yeah. it's, it's been a common discussion especially on our network meetings recently about how we can affect the industry and how we can be improve the opportunities and um, I suppose income as well it comes down to, to money on certain roles as well doesn't it but I mean I agree I know a lot of coaches that have worked essentially for free for periods just to give themselves opportunities and I think that's like you're saying that's essential 
Yeah, and I'm, listen, I know it's hard for people to do, especially if they've, you know, they've got other personal responsibilities and stuff they have to cover. Uh, that's that's always tough. But you know, you know yourself. There's a lot of clubs out there that don't have the money to get an extra intern in and give them a good wage or get some, you know. So it's it's hard, and it's not it's not always right in the in the eyes of you know of the, of the law and, and and how we're doing things. But yeah, I think if you can do something part time and get yourself in the door, it really does it really does shine through to the people that are there. And opportunities when they come will will be given to people that kind of show that sort of dedication and, and stuff early on I think Was it something you were interested in as a player Ross? Like I know there's certain players that come out of the back of their career and they obviously go into coaching or, or what have you but obviously you've come out of it and you've gone into the, the sports science side was it was that something that you were as you were playing were you interested in it or was it after when you finished it that you um, developed the interest yeah, it's difficult because I was, you know, a lot of pros go through their, their career and they kind of, they get older and more mature and they know that things are coming to an end. I was still a kid when I was playing. So like, you know, I stopped playing at 16, um, like from a professional club point of view. So yeah. I probably, I probably just, like any young boy, just wanted to be a professional footballer, you know, and just, and that was kind of in the back of your mind. However, I was always, I always had, I was, I was quite clever, you know, I knew that, that there were certain players that were at the top end of the group and, you know, academically, I always was quite grounded and, and made sure I'd done, and done the best I could. Um, so I, I think I kind of always knew that at the end I would go down a different route to playing. So it wasn't... SMC actually kind of was an interesting one. I did my A-levels at um, the school I went to, a local school I went to, um, and then was looking around for degrees. Wasn't was kind of toying around the idea of maybe PE teaching or something like that, but then came across this degree at St Mary's in, in SMC, and it was the second the second year... Well, no, it might have been the first year, actually, the first year that we that they were running it. So it was very new and there, and there were sports science degrees. But SMC was was kind of unheard of at the time in terms of education. Um, so I just kind of thought it sounded quite good, went to the open day and just applied. Um, and then <laughs> ever since then, I've, I've kind of fell in love with it and, and, and gone on from there. So I kind of just applied for a degree, not really knowing 100 percent what it was, went to the open day and stuff and got a little bit more knowledge, still kind of. Wasn't 100% sure, so it took a little bit of a gamble, but paid off in the end because, yeah, no, you know, it's, it's, it's my career now and my passion. So, Do you find, like, going through the process of academy football and getting to the level that you got to, do you find that the the relationships you can build or the way you communicate with those academy players is, is uh, I suppose, a little bit easier because you, you know what they're going through and how they're approaching it? Like you said, they're... All their aim is is to become professional footballers, isn't it? And yeah. I think sometimes when a, a sports scientist or an S and C coach is at a club, they're trying to talk technical to the players about what they should be doing, and they don't really get on their level about it. Whereas you've been through that, you've experienced it. Do, do you find yeah. that that's like a, an easy sort of um, you can approach it a little bit better because of your experience? Yeah, I do. I, I do, and I think I think I think not just from a player point of view. I think it helps the role all round. I think that yeah, that I understand what the players going for. I think first of all, we kind of have to realise that. I, I know sometimes we get so fully immersed in the technical side of things, and like we want to get really involved. And on game day, it's a big day, and everyone's kind of there for the players. But we kind of have to sometimes take a step back and and allow the experts in that field to kind of do their thing. Um, 
But I, I do think it helps in terms of relationship with players, uh, relationship with coaches, understanding. You know, I always say, I always find it um, bizarre. I always see like some SMC coaches actually like prescribing things for certain sports. And I kind of say to them, but, you know, have you ever played that sport? Have you ever actually done that? You hit that session, that training session before. And it's amazing that, like, unless you've actually experienced what them players are going through, and then to, for example, to put this fitness thing on the end of it, but, you know, you kind of, you don't really know exactly how, what you're pitching. So I think it helps me all around, like, in terms of with the coaches, I can kind of relate to them to a degree, to a certain degree, and, and still keep my kind of professional um, level of expertise in sports science um, with the players, and just understand maybe kind of what the players are going through physically so that we can kind of pitch maybe programs I think a little bit better if that makes sense without kind of being too scientific I can kind of understand that well that actually it doesn't look that tough but that's a tough session you know and it might not be showing up on the stats and you know we, we might not be getting the data that we want but that's a real hard session so now to put this on top of it it's probably going to be a bit too much for them at this time for example um so i do i do think it definitely helps that's not to say that people outside of football cannot come in and do a great job at all i do but i do think it does give you a little bit of an advantage in terms of understanding the, the sport what the players are going through and and kind of the coaches roughly and what kind of the ethos is and, and the culture around the place i guess with um I've complete. I've had a complete blank on which coach said it, but I was on social media the other day, and there was a coach that was talking about that we forget a lot of the time that we're actually just dealing with human beings, and we yeah, yeah. Uh, we forget that the relationships <laughs> are key. And when I was at the uh, the soccer science conference earlier in the year, one of the biggest things that came out of that was the relationships built between coaches and players. Um, and uh, like you're saying, I think that's essential, isn't it? It's one area that I think coaches sometimes forget about, that that relationship is actually sometimes stronger than the actual programme. Yeah, sometimes. And, and, you know, I've seen it with so many different like managers and coaches firsthand. You could have the best kind of coaching programme, the best sports science programme. But like you say, if you haven't got the player, the relationship and kind of between the player and the staff, then... He could just be operating at 60% anyway, um, because there's other things bothering him. But yeah, you're right, 100%. And, you know, we do a lot of work on, especially with, with the kids, you have to kind of, you know, cover all basis on, you know, anything that's going on outside, anything that, you know, could be bothering them. Is there something so, you know, sometimes actually giving them a bit of tough love and, and being a bit harsh is actually part of the program and right for that individual. But for some people, you know, you might need to be a little bit more softer and, and kind of put an arm around them, etc. So 100%, I can't underestimate the importance of, of having good relationships. But having said that, I don't think, I think we have to remember that we're not there to be their friends. You know, we're, we're still there to develop them. So it's a very, very fine line between kind of building a good relationship and not being too buddy-buddy with the players, especially with, I see it with kind of the, you know, when you older pros or the older kind of youth team players where they become not too far off certain people's ages and doing similar things you have to kind of still keep some sort of professional kind of boundary there i think yeah yeah because i mean some coaches now like will actually end up being depending on the circumstance actually younger than some of the players as well aren't yeah. they so it's purely based on age there is a there, like say there's a very fine balance between the two yeah, and it can be tricky, you know, especially from a lot of senior pros and stuff. You know, they see a young sports scientist coming in, 
it can be hard already. You can already be up. But I think if you're professional in what you do, then and and you're good at your job, I think that will then come through over time, and and you'll get respect. I think. And in terms of the environment, so obviously working in football, but you're also working in it's Gaelic football, isn't it? Yeah. You also work. What would you say is like the biggest difference in terms of like environment and culture between the two? Yeah, it's really it's really interesting because Gaelic football's class is amateur and the, the players don't get any money, albeit they're giving up outside of their um, outside of their job and their personal life. They're giving up three evenings plus one or two days at the weekend to come and train and play. Um, so I would say that from from a staffing point of view, it's very difficult to get what you want from those players because their kind of lifestyle around their training is so difficult in terms of their job, high pressure jobs and. You know, they're, they're from a, more of an amateur background in terms of they, they might be going out on weekends a bit more and stuff like that. But actually, the attitude of the players from the amateur side and Gaelic football is, is top draw and they do any, they'll run for a brick wall for you. Whereas we all know working in football that, you know, creating that environment and culture is the, is the biggest thing. And that sometimes, you know, these players have tendencies to cut corners and maybe not not do 100% or not see the importance of doing 100%, especially in the youth football, to kind of get to the next level. So it's really interesting. We have all the resources and all the time with the younger players. Um, and it's and it's actually getting them to really kind of buy in and maximise their time. Whereas with the Gator footballers, you have such a short, limit, limited time, but they'll kind of do anything for you within that hour and a half. So I think that's where we kind of have to get to and build in that culture with, with the professionals and that, you know, you, you've got five, six hours a day at the training ground. Make sure every minute counts. And if, if that means half an hour is downtime, then that counts for downtime. But let's make sure when you're doing something, anything football related outside, then it has to be 100 percent, you know, because there's there's other sports out there that are, are going beyond that with a lot less resources and a lot less time. Would you say your coaching style and the way you approach sessions uh, changes at all between the two sports as well, just because of, the, I suppose, the environment and the culture? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, obviously, the principles are still the same, but the sports are completely different. So, well, there's, there's similarities between them, but they're, they're different in essence. But also, we work with youth players at QPR. Well, I work with youth players at QPR, and then London Gaelic's more senior. So you can kind of be a bit more aggressive uh, with the senior lads and push them a little bit more. And especially because they want that, they kind of want to be pushed to their max. Um, whereas at QPR, we've got them every day. We kind of have to be a little bit careful of... Of, of more load management because we, we're training more. So, yeah, I'd say it's more aggressive with with the London boys um, and, and the, the Gaelic footballers and the, and the youth footballers. Kind of, it's aggressive when you need it to be, but that might only be once a week maybe, and then you kind of come off and then you train a bit smarter around the other areas that they're doing. So the, the principles stay the same, but I'd say, yeah, there's definite differences in how you then approach the senior boys and because they're part-time, in effect, to, to when you're working with the full-time youth athletes. Um, where where do you see as well as sports science or S and C? Where do you see it progressing to? What over the next few years? So if you're looking like five, ten years down the line, I know this is very um, this is purely based on opinion and, and sort of yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But where do you see where where do you see it progressing and where do you see it going? I think um, I think with the, the way technology is going and stuff, I think it's just going to go 
more and more that way. I think that obviously we've had the emergence of GPS, which has become huge with the heart rate monitoring, all the monitoring that we do with the jump test, and and, and there's kind of clubs out there who've got force plates doing stuff, which is which is some good work going on. So I think the more the more technology evolves, I think the more that's going to shift the sports science route down. Which I think we need to then be careful that you know we're making decisions not just based on technology but i think the practitioners need to make sure that they're, they're kind of interpreting it the right way and, and and putting that back i guess to the coaches um so i think that will shift the sports science side a bit more i think the technology there'll be little more gimmicks coming in and adding on to what we already have which can be a good good tool to use as long as it's used correctly i guess um in terms of the sport the snc side it's interesting because you know i, I did a uh, an SNC degree and went, you know, down the UKSCA route and, you know, it's very, it's hammered into your early doors and I think it's kind of quite overwhelming in terms of, you know, how important strength training is and getting strong and, you know, that was kind of a large basis of what you learn. Um, so I think, I think what's happened is because it kind of got pushed a little bit too, not too much, but it got pushed as the main kind of educational um kind of content i think there's been a little bit of a pullback from in the industry and kind of people looking at different ways of developing physically and stuff like that so i think that will be interesting to see how that pans out i'm not too sure i think that hopefully we'll come to a nice kind of balance and a good mix and getting practitioners you know pushing players and and putting good load onto them when need to and then maybe refraining from it at times and certain individuals. Um, it's kind of interesting to see different philosophies as I've kind of gone from my career in terms of that side of thing. But yeah, that's kind of where I see the two going. It, it's, it, it's hard to tell. I do think technology will guide things a bit more. Um, but I do think we'll get stronger and stronger, I think, as we just keep going on throughout the years. I think just as a sports science and SNC cohort, um, just being around the sport and, and dealing with certain players and athletes and, and being around coaches and you know developing younger coaches coming through more and more so i do think in the next five ten years we'll see a real strong sports science kind of provision on the whole being kind of put into football and and other sports as well i think branching out personally for you ross where where are you doing your like your learning at the moment or your cpd where what would what advice would you give to coaches in terms of where they can go to to learn and develop. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's hard because you get to a point where you become, and I'm sure all the you know, listeners and yourself, you're so, you're, you kind of understand this, where you get so busy in your day-to-day jobs and you have a couple of things you're working with and you end up just, time just runs away, but you have a family and stuff and things going on. So I think that obviously the, the, the key conferences, there's key great content out there at, you know, not only the football specific ones and like you say, your kind of network meetings are fantastic and people, it's a bit more intimate stuff. You've got, you know, other football ones around the country, um, the big ones, the UKSA and the basic stuff. Like I think it's key to kind of try and make sure you can put a bit of time away to get to those. Um, I think that's important. But the, the biggest thing that I learn from now is is having a good network of colleagues around you, um, discussing topics kind of day in, day out, utilising staff within the building, first and foremost, and seeing what, you know, things are coming out and in individual case studies, but not just with sports scientists, but physiotherapists, um, looking at coaches, what how they kind of look into things, um, and also branching out to other visits, you know, go and see other clubs, go and see what they're doing, invite them into you so you can kind of cross-reference a few things and, and put your heads together. I see that kind of being maybe... The, the, the next step above kind of different conferences is actually people networking more and more where there's more openness and coming into clubs, have a look at what we do. We can share what you do. 
vice versa. Um, I think that's how things will kind of emerge on a little bit more. And apart from like the, what you've talked about in terms of Gaelic football, have you done that with any other sports as well? Because I know there's been quite a few uh, like reported cases where top coaches have gone out to different sports and I know there's a bit of, about Guardiola and the Ryder Cup team recently and things like that. Have you managed to do that with any other sports recently as well? No, I haven't. I've visited in the past different kind of rugby clubs and, and, and things like that and rugby and, and a couple of hockey. But I think that's where... I think that's something that we need to do more and more, I think, as well, and go and go into these different sports, see how they do things and, and try to transfer things across. I think there's a lot we can learn from other sports, but I also think there's a lot that other sports can learn from football, albeit sometimes there's a little bit of negative press around football. But I think that's kind of slowly coming around and changing. And, and now there's some really good people within the sport doing some really good things. I think that's being recognised. So I think that's a really, really key area, I think, where we can develop in the next um, five, ten years, 100%. Really? No, I think we've covered some really good stuff there, some amazing uh, advice for, for coaches of all ages and all levels. Um, where can the guys get in touch with you, Ras? Touch with me, I mean, um, on on Twitter will be, uh, what I'll do is I'll send you, everyone can, I'll send you, you can send out the Twitter link and I know you sent out the blog recently, so that's, that's brilliant. Um, I'll send my email to you as well, maybe to share to everybody. Um, so if anyone ever wants any, you know, comes with any advice based on this or any technical advice, then I'm, my, you know, doors always open. We actually take on the last two interns, last two years, we didn't even advertise. It was people that contacted me and, and asked the opportunity. So I think it's really important that going back to what you said about younger coaches getting experience, don't wait for that opportunity. Just start emailing um, people in certain roles and you never know. You never know what will come back from it. So, yeah, I'll send over some email details and, and the Twitter stuff um, and people just getting touch me whenever about certain things amazing i'll put all that in the in the notes of the show and then when we release it all that out as well um, and then also if you haven't if you guys haven't checked out already ross has just recently done a, a blog post for us which, which he just mentioned then on warm-ups um, and how to get coaches thinking a little differently in um about warm-ups and i suppose getting away from the trend, isn't it, Ross? Like trying to yeah. actually structure them a little bit more and, and have a think about what we actually want to take from them as well. Yeah, I mean, like, because I think what happens normally is kind of like when I see in in some organisations, some clubs, it, things are very separate. And it's like, well, that's my time as a physical development coach and SSC coach to actually have with the players, um, which, is, which is fine. You're maximising your time. But then I kind of see what well, every day you've got 25, 20 minutes, whatever, the, whatever it is in, in your club to do, to do something with your players. And what are they going to benefit out the most? And I just think if we come together and work more as staff, it might actually be that two days a week, them doing some technical work as their pulse raiser, for example, and, and, and easing them into it, is going to be more beneficial than just kind of, you know, taking them on a job around the pitch, giving them a whole range of dynamic stretches, which are important. And, and I try to get in there that I'm not knocking any modality. I think everything has a place. Um, but it's just trying to think a bit deeper, I think, and just saying today, actually, we want to work on their acceleration ability or their change of direction. So that's important. So we, we're going to work on that. But then tomorrow, maybe it'll be good to walk through some tactical stuff with them and, and that can be kind of their, their, their start, their warm-up, and then we'll do some dynamic stretches after and, and whatever. So, yeah, it's just getting people thinking a little bit differently to just working within their kind of isolated 
areas of expertise and just working a bit closer together, I think, as, as, as an MDT. Anyone that hasn't seen that blog, it's available on our site, which is uh, footballfitfed.com, and it's just the blog section at the top, um, so you can go and check that out. And then you've also got the book out, Ross, haven't you? Yeah, the book was done when I was in Qatar, actually, many years ago. It's around injury prevention and, and, um, and rehab. And actually, I would like to, it was with a, a company called Kroger Press who were advertising on the UKCA um, about five, six years ago. I'd actually like to do a second edition because, you know, as you're working three and four and you become different posts, your philosophy might evolve slightly and things. So, yeah, check, check that out. Um, hopefully, within the next two or three years, there'll be a second edition coming out as well. So, um yeah, have a little look and, and you can get it online as well for, for fairly cheap, I think. So, yeah, yeah, feel free yeah, to have a, have a look. I'll put that link in, in the notes as well, mate. Wicked. Good stuff. No, perfect. Ben, thank you very much for the opportunity and it's been a pleasure to chat to you. You too, mate. Really appreciate you taking up the time and I'm sure uh, many coaches will take loads of uh, really valuable information from this. So, really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. No problem at all. And yeah, anything else in the future, just just give me a shout and happy to happy to contribute in any way. Thanks, mate. Catch you soon. No problem. All the best, Ben. Take care. Thank you for listening to the episode with Ross. I hope you took plenty of valuable information from him and also um the sort of track and, and the path that he's took to get him where he is or who he's working with today. Um, he's obviously put himself out there and created opportunities for himself and that's led to the role that he's currently in Um, please subscribe and share the episode and also I'd ask for you to now leave a review if we could get as many reviews as possible on iTunes that would be great and it'll just help the, the podcast grow and get out to more coaches which is exactly why we set it up in the first place if you haven't done already um, please go and check out our Football Fitness Federation online community. So we set this community up um, a while ago now for players and coaches um, to share experiences and information on there and to have discussions about all sorts of different aspects of football fitness. We've got a number of di- uh, a number of really high quality coaches on there, so you, you have the chance to go and interact with those as well. So please go and check that out. It's available on our website, www.footballfitfed.com and just click on the community tab at the top. Um, Like I said at the start, Ross also mentions an opportunity coming up at QPR. There might be a few opportunities, I'm not too sure yet. So just keep an eye out on his social media for that because I know that he's willing to give coaches the chance like he mentioned in the episode. So keep a lookout for that. And there's also the link to his book, that he talked about in the episode that is in the show notes and that's available to buy now so if you haven't done already go and check his book out as well this podcast is released on the 8th of november thursday the 8th of november on the 23rd of this month we're going to be holding our next football fitness federation network meeting which is going to be at brighton if you haven't come across these meetings already the reason we run these these are free events But the reason we run these is for you to grow your network. So we know that a lot of jobs and opportunities come from, like Ross discussed in the episode, they come from um, growing your network and knowing people within football or other coaches. And then when opportunities arise, they, they, they more than likely go to people that they know or can trust and know the work. 
So these meetings are designed for exactly that. You come along, meet other coaches. We always say that we want you to take at least one new person, um, whether it's a phone number, whether it's just a contact on social media, but you can grow your network by at least one on these meetings. But I mean, the, the meetings we've held so far, we've actually grown our, our network by a lot more than just the one. So the next meeting is going to be at Brighton on the 23rd of November. We've got Will Abbott and Josh Hook presenting on the meetings and then loads of time for the guys to chat and and network with other coaches. This event is um, booked out, so all the tickets have gone for this event, but we will be announcing some dates for our 2019 network meetings very soon as well. So keep an eye out on um, our social media for those dates and then get yourselves booked on as soon as possible go and follow us as well so we're at football fit fed on twitter at football fit fed on instagram and um, the email if anyone wants to get in touch is mail at footballfitfed.com and any um, feedback on these episodes so far is well is is more than welcome we've got a few more podcasts already recorded some really top um, guests come in so keep an eye out for that and like I said please subscribe and share the podcast